things is that you're now seeing outsourcing and offshoring firms coming into the market in terms of acquiring CPA firms as well. Wow. And some of these and, and vice versa, but I would say more so on that side. So there are a lot of outsourcing firms and offshoring firms that have good practices. They're now investing and buying a firm over here as well so that they can really truly like get on the front end side of it as well. Um, so that's something to watch out for. Again, brings in an opportunity, brings in another different type of buyer for firms as well that they can work with. Because again, typically they don't want to buy everything. They want yeah. the partners to be involved because they want the US facing partners to be there, right? So that's another angle that's coming into the, the M&A space. Um, vice versa, you've got some larger firms looking at, can I go out and buy an outsourcing firm yeah. that A, being able to plug these resources into my firm, that's uh, again... And I say plug and play lightly from the perspective, yes, they have people, but they've got to understand it's like any merger. There is a huge cultural. Welcome to AFO Wealth Management Forward, a podcast powered by Arrowroot Family Office that's at the intersection of accounting, wealth management, behavioral finance, technology, and entrepreneurship. We help accounting firms and financial advisors grow their practice by going beyond the numbers as we learn from industry leaders and subject matter experts to discover the secret to their success. A podcast that highlights everything from the transformative power of AI to embracing the human-first approach of behavioral finance to help you understand the psychological and emotional relationships to money and meaning. Here is your host, Rory Henry, director at Arrowroot Family Office and author of Holistic Guide to Wealth Management. All right. Hello, everyone. I am joined by another special guest. He's a friend of mine. He is the managing director at Impact Global Solutions, a strategic outsourcing advisory firm that's empowering CPA firms to maximize efficiency with global teams. He's also a keynote speaker on the best practices in accounting outsourcing. I'm happy to finally have him on the show. So without further ado, let me introduce our guest, Lawrence Whittem. Lawrence, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Rory. Yeah, nice to be here. <laughs> yes. Uh, we hung out in Vegas. We had a great conversation. And I love the work that you're doing uh, in the outsourcing space. You and I both know the capacity problem is the number one issue that's plaguing the profession. Yep. So before we kind of get into the blocking and tackling and talk about the capacity issue and outsourcing, can you give our audience a little bit of background on yourself? Yeah, yeah. no, definitely. So I, um, I've been in the outsourcing space for over 10 years now. Um, and I had the great opportunity to actually move to India for as soon as I finished college <laughs> no and work for a global outsourcing company. Then um, at first it was more of an internship and then it turned into more of a, no, we're expanding to the U S from the UK and we really yeah. want somebody to lead the way. Um, so I, I had a great opportunity there that again, really graduated to going from working with a few firms in the U S to working with over 500 firms in those 10 years um, and I also had a chance to work with one of the top 50 CPA firms in New York as well. Um, and, and yeah, it's just, as I developed throughout, I found the outsourcing world was again, staffing challenges coming up more and more, right. Yeah. Um, especially in the finance world. And there was nobody that was a consultant or independently helping firms go through, making a decision on how to outsource, mm. right? And it's uh, there are a lot of common challenges that were coming up. And when I was on the vendor side, 
it's it was very difficult to really get the proper ear of the right person because there were changes that firms needed to make internally to yeah. really make sure it worked properly. Um, and so that's when I sort of made the decision after um, 10 years, I was like, okay, let me take the step towards building my own consulting practice. And I had a number of firms sort of also saying like, you should really just do this. Like I was getting more and more dragged into their operational yeah. side side of things. So um, so it was great. And I partnered up with a couple of great, a good consulting group over here in the US working just with CPA firms. And and again, I'm able to help, honestly, like sole proprietors now up to yeah. top 20 firm is the largest client that I'm working with. Wow. Uh, I like it. I like it. I mean, let's kind of talk about the staffing shortage that we have and really this part problem you're solving. You know, the number I think was the AICPA number, Lawrence, 75% have already reached retirement age yeah. and we're not having the influx of, of talent here. So kind of let's, let's dive in right away and let's talk about some of the, the staffing issues and then the challenges that firms face when, you know, adopting this outsourcing model. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, somewhat of a perfect storm right now in yeah. terms of the baby boomers retiring right in this industry. And again, there are firms that have, are forcing people out at certain ages of 55, 60 years old as well. And that was that was a trend probably six, seven years ago in terms of no, tell the older professionals they have to stop at that at that yeah. time as well. Yeah. So, but now we're also getting a decline in the accounting graduates coming in, like getting involved in it in college. Mm -hmm. Uh we're getting a decline in the CPA graduates. And there there are a lot of things firms are doing to change this as well. And it's it's always seen in quite a like a negative light right now in terms of like, yeah, it's just not a good industry. There's all these challenges in the staffing side, which there are, but there are a lot of firms making big, big changes internally yeah. to try and make it a more attractive profession, um, bringing people in from outside the profession in. Yeah. Um, so there, there are huge changes going on, but obviously they're not going to shift this overnight at the yeah. end of the day. Um, and I, I've gone from seeing firms look at alternate staffing there's there's domestically right so there are alternatives domestically there are alternatives internationally that they can use from like a more recruitment side of things using the gig economy using projects and it's 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 difficult to get everything together in one space so that's what i'm trying to encompass i'm trying to give every alternate staffing option to the cpa firms and to financial professionals in the private industries as well to say here is where these alternate talent pools are. Yeah. And this is how you can pull it together. So we're not going to have to have those challenges because there are problems like, okay, raising the minimum and the entry level um, salary caps. Okay. The only way to do that is to make firms more profitable, profitable. realistically. Yeah. Right. So, okay. Now bringing outsourcing and offshoring strategically into the business means that you can actually stretch those margins. Now you can afford to pay and invest more time into some of these like earlier stage people coming out of college and stuff in the U S. So there are lots of different ways that it can be seen. And I think there's just not many firms looking at it from strategic direction right now. And more of like, let me just jump in there without yeah. really a solid plan, <laughs> plan. Which, which they're struggling to really get yeah. their hands around it. Then it's, it's just causing frustration that I see. Yeah. Are you an accountant looking to generate more revenue and secure your future success as automation and artificial intelligence revolutionize the accounting profession? If so, contact us at AFO Wealth Management Forward. 
We specialize in helping accountants and advisors just like you build a custom brand to pinpoint your optimal clientele, generate highly qualified leads through our data-driven digital marketing, and execute wealth management growth services to bring more value to your firm and your client's life. Our strategic approach to branding, marketing, and wealth management is carefully tailored to attract ideal clients, increase customer retention rates, and cultivate lasting relationships with clients across generations. Visit wealthmanagementforward.com to book your free consultation to find out how you can elevate your practice. Uh, I always talk about the financial flywheel, Lawrence, and the ability to provide for the many needs of those clients, the business needs as well as the personal needs and the ability to grow your practice that way. But you still need the the people to service those clients. And I we talk about yeah. all the time, the, the traditional business model for practices is broken. They need to adopt new ways of taking on talent and then servicing those clients. And as you know, I'm big on relationships. And I think relationships are obviously you know key to, to being able to have a successful and profitable firm, but there's some of those firms that are on the leading edge. <laughs> you know, that's why private equity loves this space because you can sell to through small and medium sized businesses. Um, the opportunities seem uh, abound for the profession. And I always talk about, we might have a branding problem uh, for the younger yeah. generation. And I have said on the, uh, the show many times, if we can, rebrand ourselves more like a mini McKinsey or Bain in consulting group that, that can attract others or on the wealth side, like helping people grow their wealth is another uh, way we can do it. So maybe talk to how we can better present ourselves as a profession. It's a deep question. So, I mean, again, I, I think this is, it has to be as a whole transforming the way that it's moving from somewhat of a profession, but towards a business at the end yes. of the day. I mean, we need to have more businesses in the accounting world that are running like the big four in that sense as well. Now, now that doesn't mean you have to necessarily give up a lot of these things. In it, and a lot of smaller firms will argue and say, yeah, but no, we're going to give more personal attention to our clients and and these different areas. But that is great. I mean, that's that's a great business side of it. But you can also have other people doing that, right? So, for example, like a client relationship person, bringing that type of talent into these organizations as well, making sure that you've got a marketing department, a sales department, and making sure you've got taking the reception and the admin away from these professionals that now they can focus on consulting with clients right and sitting and going towards like you said more of the mckinsey style where we are going out of our way to consult with these clients that allows you to then drive up your fees as well yeah right and and make sure you keep developing so i would say that it is happening with a lot of firms it's just that the way that it's being not, not as many people are out out there promoting what they're doing in that sense i feel like i've seen more and more firms now going to college um college recruitment drives and things yeah. like that in their area. Um, but if you look in the news, all the news is still saying it's a boring profession. There's not <laughs> enough, there's not enough people. It's yeah. going down like, and stuff like, which, which there needs to be the profession itself now yeah. saying, no, we're actually no, doing all these we, changes we positively. Are. Yeah. yeah, we are. I, I say that we need to go from being trusted advisors to transformational advisors. We are strategic in, in how we advise businesses help them grow. 
Um, so I think it was uh, Martin Bissett. I was on a call with Martin Bissett, <laughs> yep. our friend Martin, and mm-hmm. he was going over the Rosenberg surveys and he was comparing his 2011 survey to his 2023 survey. And there's a couple ones that, that stood out to me. He says that out of the 500 or seven firms that, that do the Rosenberg survey in 2011, 35% had a formal marketing plan. And in 2023, only 20% did. <laughs> so once again, everybody's harping on, hey, you should have a sales and marketing plan and firms aren't just doing it. In yeah. fact, they're doing less of it. <laughs> um, so that was a, a stat that that stuck out to me. And then he also talked about was um, obviously the staff turnover. Oh, that's why I brought it up on, on our conversation. So the staff turnover in 2011 was 11%. And in 23, 2023, it's up to 22%. So we're seeing this increase in turnover. And this goes back to the branding issue and what kind of work environment are we providing for those that are in the profession? So maybe let's talk about that. Like, how can we improve conditions here so that we don't have as much staff turnover, that we can have a better product, we can have happier and healthier employees? Yeah. And I think that is probably one of the biggest challenges, like, even towards the offshoring, which needs to happen. And the change needs to happen internally with these firms typically, right? And that's where a lot of firms will blame when outsourcing fails and offshoring, like towards the outsourcing and offshoring firms. But it's a lot of the times they need need to understand there's a change internally that needs to happen as well. And they'll stem from situations like that with higher turnover rates coming in internally as well. Right. And the, and the yeah. big reason for that at the end of the day is because there are less professionals in the industry now. There's more competition. Right. Which means that now you have to work extra hard to keep these these employees happy. But you also have to have quite a you have to have a multi pronged approach to it. Everybody, especially with the younger generation, I feel like they care more about who they personally are. Mm-hmm. They don't fit into a mold. Yeah. Right. It's and they and they. We'll speak out a lot more about that in terms of, no, I'm an individual. I, I, This is what I care about. And you, as a business owner, you've got to make sure that, especially in this profession, it's, it's about the people, right? Yeah. In order to scale, we have to have the people there. Mm-hmm. Automation is coming. There are elements of that. But you still need the people to implement automation yeah. and the technology. And, and generally, you need the younger generation to yeah. really help move that element along because they have grown up with the technology that makes life easier for them. They also want to see changes, changes going on in the firms to make things more efficient compared to if you've been doing taxes the same way. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, talk, I still talk to people that are honestly like still more or less a paper filled office that, that that haven't even gone to the virtual stations yeah. or don't access it from home. And, and they struggle with turnover to a much higher rate than some of these other firms that are developing quicker. Yeah. And it's because they, people don't stay with them long because they can only learn the one way that they teaching, right. uh, teaching it how to do it. They're not being open to new direction and the, the way to keep things moving and the business growing. Cause also if you don't see growth, people are going to leave at the end yeah. of the day. So, yeah. yeah. So what are some of the top tips that you are talking about when firms are starting to, to take on outsourcing or, or offshoring? Can you talk about maybe some best practices or tips when you're working with firms there, Lawrence? Yeah. I mean, first, first one is 
honestly sitting down and doing a self-assessment of internally um, for the firm. And that means having the partners all involved, invested in the decision of what you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. So there are too many firms and even though these are including the big firms, right? There, There is quite a large number of the top 100 firms implementing outsourcing and not necessarily doing it very well and having a lot of headaches, having a lot of struggle. They may have a few thousand people in the US and maybe a hundred offshore. It doesn't make sense. And the reason, but the reason why is because there's only a fraction of the partners that have been involved in the decision of doing it and they're invested in looking into it and bought into it. And that can't be the case. I mean, it's a, these are people we're dealing with at the end of the day, right? It's no different from somebody working virtually in New York to New Jersey to, to India, to the Philippines. But there are differences in expectations that need to be there and need there needs to be understandings of their culture as well. And and this is where you just have to be a, a lot more open book. But by doing that self-assessment and sitting and putting together a strategic plan that everybody's on the same page for, that doesn't mean every partner has to offshore immediately and mm. be involved in that fully, but they know what's happening. And now that means that they're at least they're at least comprehending what's going on, right? They may not be the first ones to to do it. They may not be the best ones to even have them go first, but they know what's going on. And now they're going to have a much smaller learning curve down the line compared to like just jumping in with partner to partner down, like without putting a proper plan together. And I think I'm seeing more firms doing it now. Generally, the people driving that are the either the chief human resource officer or the COOs in these mm-hmm. organizations. It's typically not the partners <laughs> that are doing that. It's generally the operation because everything's falling back onto them. Because they're feeling the pain, right? Yeah. They're like, oh my gosh, we need <laughs> to be able to obviously have the solve these these issues we're having as far as servicing clients. So they're they're the ones that that feel it the most. It sounds correct. Like. Yeah. So I would say that's the that's probably the biggest one that a lot of firms need to really do and they need to and it doesn't need to be an extensive plan but they need to do it strategically um and need to really think about it and and then the second sort of major pain point is communication Mm. um so and and now that comes to again internally it's having streamlined communication channels right not working from emails all the time like having a utilizing ms teams and utilizing some of the internal softwares that you've got from a project management perspective taking time to train on those aspects. Like it keeps information together for the client and it keeps information together for your teams that are working on it. It creates more openness um, rather than treating the offshore teams like a separate team entirely where they don't, they're not part of daily huddles and not part of these areas, which typically not as many firms were seeing them as extensions of their team. They were just treating them like, I just want to get the work done. Right. Right. Which now isn't sustainable. Yeah. But they're people, they're part of your, you know, and yeah, extension of your organization that you want to make sure they feel included in, in in part of the team. I mean, the pandemic obviously accelerated the adoption uh, of outsourcing. <laughs> I know yeah. the tech sector obviously has been doing this for a while, but it seems like the accounting profession was a little slower to adopt. I think yeah. I've seen the stat, maybe it was in doing research for this, Lawrence, that almost 90% of the top 100 firms are, are outsourcing. So it is trickling down. It's happening with the top firms. It's going and trickling down to those small and medium-sized firms now. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. I mean, there's. Um, I would say there's a lot more that 
have only really started exploring in the past couple of years, right? Yeah. Even in that top 100 range. Um, but I would say about 90% are now in the top 100 outsourcing in some capacity, whether that's could be domestically as well, or using contractors in certain spaces. But um, a lot of them are either in India, the Philippines, South America, or South Africa in some capacity. Mm. Interesting. So as far as um, organizations, now you work with the outsourcing companies and then you're the intermediary between the CPA firms and the, those outsourcing vendors. Is that is that uh, your role? So I so I represent and help the CPA firm. Yeah. I'm looking out for their best interests. Um, I help connect a lot of the CPA firms with providers in those areas and figure out the best method based on or best geography, best talent pool for them, based on the strategic plan initially. Right. And then I help educate on the best practices and more the change management that needs to happen internally, because it's it has to be directed from an internal to an external perspective, because the outsourcing firms are trying to learn from the accounting firms, which means having some understanding of who you're working with and how they work and the cultures really helps and makes it easier for a firm to say, okay, I need to be more direct with this. I need to be a bit more hands off with the way I'm speaking to people, or I need to put this in a document for them to really understand. Otherwise they're going to come back to me every day and ask the same question over and over again. So it's those types of elements that I try and I'm trying to streamline on the CPA firm and the accounting firms professional side compared to the outsourcing firm. Yeah. I do the due diligence on the outsourcing firms to make sure that I am introducing them to firms that know the industry. They've worked with other CPA firms um, they're the right fit. And I get an idea for the leadership to try and gel yeah. and match them up the right way. That makes sense. Now, what what are the same, some of the main issues that, that happen when, when firms start going down this path? Well, what, what are the, some of the ways that firms are stubbing their proverbial toe? Uh, so they are, I mean, the biggest one is jumping into it again, without this plan or an idea as to yeah i mean it's it's there's got to be so there's a staged approach that can be done and but they do there does need to be the right investment to it so if they're looking to build out if they're a sizable firm they should be looking to immediately jump in with a bit of a structure there right so at the end of the day like hiring four or five juniors if they really want to start from the ground up that's fine but they need to know that there's going to be a lot more management time involved internally. And you're going to have to really learn that culture fast because now you don't necessarily have somebody on a senior side that has had experience working in, with U.S. firms and has gelled their culture a little bit. So it's really that planning as to like, what do I need and do it in a way that, yes, it may be a bit more of an investment initially, like by taking two people rather than one. But now from a time investment perspective, you can figure out like people don't work out sometimes. So yeah. invest in them both over the first three months, you may get rid of one. One may leave for whatever reason. But now you're not having to restart the whole process again, three months into it, six months into it, right? So so that investment and understanding of like really the way to enter it is, is very important that firms just don't, they don't know the first step. A lot of them go and spend, honestly, like, hours and hours interviewing <laughs> outsourcing firms <laughs> and never even do it. Like I, I I've been on this year. Like one, I'm right here. I, 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 I can, can tell, tell you 
where to go. I, I can literally tell, I can tell you exactly what they're going to tell you in the meetings. I can, yeah. I can streamline it. It's a very important aspect to make sure that there's a relationship between like, again, it's, it's the outsourcing firm and the CPA firm doing the business together. So yeah. I want to make sure the leadership is communicating and on alignment so that now they will reach out when there are problems. Cause a lot of them don't reach out if there's a problem. Right. So it's, it needs to be that flow of communication so that problems can be fixed as things are going on. Right. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I've this, this year alone, I mean, it's getting started on time before the tax season. I've been with firms that have spent in interviewed six, seven outsourcing firms, spent six, seven, if not 10 hours on doing things, but then have not pulled the trigger. Right. For whatever reason. And it's, and again, it's, it's up to them when they pull the trigger at the end of the day, but it's, yeah. but it's, it's good to invest some of the time there and do that research, but it's, it's better to make sure that you're on track and uh, what is it that's going to make you pull the trigger? What do you not know that's stopping you doing it? Because now those firms that have done that are not going to be in any better position next tax season because they're not going to do anything between May to September before yeah. the next extension season, which means that, you could have invested, done a small portion of returns, got an idea for it. And so it's those types of things. I'm trying to help educate and get people to actually try it and yeah. do it because they're going to be way better off once they've done that and done a proper streamlined test than just jumping in at the deep end or or just going through the wheels and churning and just not yeah. knowing how to take the first step. There'll be a day and age, Lawrence, hopefully sooner rather than later when we don't have a tax season, when the yep. real-time real yep. data is going to be in at these firms and people can have real-time advice, uh, whether it's tax planning, financial planning, like I said, updated that estate plan or insurance yep. planning, really advise those businesses. So I, I think there's going to be a time we'll we'll look back on this goal. People actually like yeah. was rushing to get tax returns in and there's tax seasons. Um, so yeah, come. it'll come, it'll come. Um, all right. So what do we have on the landscape in, in, uh, offshoring, outsourcing, what do you see here um, coming down the pipe? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, one of the one of the big things is that you're now seeing outsourcing and offshoring firms coming into the market in terms of acquiring CPA firms as well, wow. and some of these, and, and vice versa, but I would say more so on that side. So there are a lot of outsourcing firms and offshoring firms that have good practices. They're now investing and buying a firm over here as well so that they can really truly like get on the front end side of it as well. Um, So that's something to watch out for. Again, brings in an opportunity, brings in another different type of buyer for firms as well that they can work with. Because again, typically they don't want to buy everything. They want the partners to be involved because they want the US facing partners to be there, right? So that's another angle that's coming into the the M&A space. Um, vice versa, you've got some larger firms looking at, can I go out and buy an outsourcing firm yeah. that A, being able to plug these resources plug into my firm, that's uh, again, and I say plug and play lightly from the perspective, yes, they have people, but they've got to understand it's like any merger. There is a huge cultural difference, whether yeah. you've tried aligning it during the acquisition <laughs> or not, there's a big cultural difference typically. So you've got to put a lot of work behind that. Um but there's been numerous cases now, right, where some outsourcing firm have been acquired, um, and and like, and they're just going into different geographies, right? So yeah. a lot more firms are now working with multiple vendors, and say utilizing South Africa for its audit talent, right, yeah. and more contractor related, more communication, 
going to the Philippines for more sort of virtual admin, going for bookkeeping, accounting, sort of basic audit support stuff, um, going to India, but also, and then South America, right, is a newer area that's up and coming, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, Mexico, nearshore, less, um, uh, well, central time zone, which is great, less of a cost benefit, but you still get some discount compared to hiring internally. But like, again, like, great for california great for texas where they've got quite a high bilingual culture right and um so so there are lots of new areas popping up as well that firms are exploring which is cool and um so it it is a very very fast moving space right now (laughs) which is is. cool yeah how to keep on top of yeah we've talked about it uh, and i i don't know who i was speaking with um one of the thought leaders of profession maybe it was dan hood accounting today and i said this is the golden age for accounting i mean the M&A activity going in between firms, the fact that these firms are buying, uh, you know, outsourcing firms or buying payroll companies or HR, yep. uh, you know, the M&A there. And then you have the M&A activity happening with the clients of the firms. <laughs> and we've talked about this, the 10,000 baby boomer businesses or the 10,000 baby boomers are retiring daily. I think eight to 10% have small businesses yep. you know, that go up for sale. There is a tremendous opportunity uh, for firms out there to expand their service offering. They already do uh, the, the accounting work or the tax work for the businesses. Why not um, help out with the advisory of the sale of business? And then as we do over here, manage the assets. So I think it's a tremendous opportunity yep. to really have a full financial flywheel for those of the, the accounting profession, the opportunity to really provide for those many needs of the client. But as we just discussed, Lawrence, you got to be able to be operationally efficient to do those. Correct. And, and that's why I, I, I do want to get to that to some extent, like with you see like some firms taking on recruitment organizations yeah. and things like that. And and this is where it creates a great opportunity from because if they're str- again, the accounting industry struggles with staff, but the professional like the private industries are all struggling for accounting struggling. talent as well. Right. Yeah. And different. So this allows them to be a mediator when they get it yes. up and running it, again it creates an extra arm like similar mm-hmm. to the the cas side of things right but now you can take on a lot of roles that you wouldn't have wanted to before like the right. accounts receivable accounts payable the the payroll but for the principle that you can now find people that can do it and mm-hmm. cost effectively where everybody wins right the firm wins yep. they get business from it but also the business now wins because they can actually find talent and they would prefer to probably give that finance function or more of that to the accounting firms right because they can have more control so it's um it is definitely a way there's more industries that are getting into it quicker than others i would say and yeah. but a lot of these industries like you said with the tech side of it they've been doing it for way longer than the longer. accounting industry has so they used to it for yeah. other services, just not as much for the accounting and the finance. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. All righty, Lawrence, this has been awesome. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want to cover for our audience here? No, I mean, we'd love to, again, always happy to help. Always have to have the conversation, lots of things moving. Yes. So uh, no, I appreciate the time and always, always fun talking. So yeah, I appreciate you coming on. If anybody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do so? Very active on LinkedIn. Look yes, me up, are. Lawrence Whittem. Uh, do a lot of speaking and feel free. You can reach out. My email's on there. My phone number's on there. You can reach out. Give me a give me a text. Give me a call. Happy to have that conversation. All righty. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Cheers, Rory. 
All opinions expressed by Rob Santos and Rory Henry on this website podcast interview are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Arrowroot Family Office LLC or their parent company or affiliates, and they have been previously disseminated on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by anyone as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of their opinions. Past performance is not indicative of future results.